Welcome to the Potato Field with Spudman podcast. I am Spudman editor Zeke Jennings, the host of the show. Joining me today from the Washington, D.C. area is Holly Alexander of the National Potato Council. Holly is the Vice President of Industry Relations and Events. And if you're a member of the National Potato Council, you probably know her already. Um, Holly, welcome to the show. Really thrilled to have you. Great. Glad to be here. Okay. On a fun note, we'll just go ahead and kick the show off with the news that Holly is celebrating her 20th anniversary with the National Potato Council. She is largely responsible with planning and executing Potato Expo, um, which has been quite a challenge the last couple of years with the pandemic. And for all that she does for the industry, we have named Holly our 2022 Spud Woman of the Year. So uh, excited to announce that on the show. Holly, congratulations. Great. Thanks, Zeke. Yeah. I know you're very humble and all of that, but uh, you have earned it and we're happy to to uh, give you some recognition. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah. I, I, I tend to work more behind the scenes. <laughs> so you've been with the council for 20 years now. Um, you were John Keeling's first hire when the council moved back to Washington, D.C. from Colorado. Um, could you tell us the gist of what you do and how your job has changed over the past 20 years? Yeah, it's um, it has definitely evolved. When I first started, uh, you know, we were, a, I say a small organization, there were three of us, whereas there's five of us right now, but my main responsibilities uh, were around member relations and then also doing communications and the small meetings that we held. So that changed 14 years ago when the concept of the Potato Expo came about, and since then I've been um, trying to to keep up with all those changes. Yeah. yeah, that is, like I mentioned, that's just a huge part of, of your job, and, and you know, the, the planning that goes into that, I mean, it, it spans years, really, to pull off an event like this. Um, now, you mentioned surrogate uh, got started 14 years ago. What's the backstory on that? Like, what was the idea, the concept, and, and how did you guys get that off the ground? So, there used to be three smaller seminars. There was a chip seminar, a seed seminar, and a fresh seminar that just focused on those specific markets. And what um, what we were hearing is that there's there was a lot of overlap. So there a number of growers and also sponsors and other industry members had to travel three different times to go to three different meetings. So the I, the concept uh, came about um, from a working group uh, to try to put together the format for one meeting that addressed all markets. You know, we added process in there. They were the one market that didn't have a specific seminar. And so that's how the, the concept of the expo came about. We already held an MPC annual meeting the first week in January every year. So we took over that, that time slot and, and kicked off the, the first expo. Now, the original meetings were just kind of seminars. Uh, was there always a, a trade show aspect of it, or did that come later? Uh, because that is such a big part of the event. Uh, the education sessions are incredible, the meetings and everything, but the, you know, to have all these uh, uh, companies and uh, providers on site is a great value, too. So there, there were uh, definitely some 
vendors, uh, nothing like the scale that it is grown into. We, you know, when it when it started, we had the breakout sessions that focused on each of the specific markets and the general sessions. Then we had the trade show. But when we were originally looking at how many people we thought would attend the meeting based on the attendance at those three individual seminars, we thought we'd get around 500 people. And the first year we ended up with 800 and now we've grown over the years to around 2000 attendees. So um, it was a little bit of, you know, once there clearly was the need to have the one potato industry meeting of the year. And once that was built, uh, the trade show um, just grew like crazy. I mentioned already the last couple of years has been a challenge for all of us in a lot of different ways, but especially, you know, that first year of 2020, it was hard to go anywhere. It was hard to see anybody. Um, so we, we go back to March, 2020, when, when all this stuff happened, you're fresh off record attendance at the 2020 expo, which was in Las Vegas. You've got the dates planned for 2021 in the Dallas Fort Worth area programming's in the works and the pandemic hits. Could you take us through the ensuing months and how you pivoted to eventually pull off the virtual event in early 21, which, which was really well done in my opinion. I went to a lot of virtual events and that was probably the most well done one, so. Right, well, thanks. Well, we, um, we definitely had, uh, we were lucky in the timing of our event. We you know, were able to hold the show in 2020 before everything shut down. And then there were so many other groups that had to pivot very quickly uh, onto a virtual show. So we, we lucked out with the timing uh, that we were able to kind of watch and see what other groups were doing and how they were producing and formatting their virtual shows. And we didn't know for a while. I mean, we, we knew, you know, eventually we knew that we were going to have to have a virtual component, but it wasn't until, you know, closer to the event that we knew that the in-person portion was not going to be able to be held. But we, you know, we did a lot of polling. We had a lot of calls with exhibitors and sponsors and growers and gauging um, interest and input. And there were, you know, varying travel bans and restrictions and, you know, everybody had a different level of their, you know, willingness to travel. So there are a lot of, a lot of polling and conversations and really trying to, you know, understand what the industry needed and, you know, what was feasible. Now, if memory serves, it was, we were like into October, I think, by the time the decision really had to be made on if we were going to be able to have the in-person event. Um, and I remember corresponding with, with you all quite a bit during that time. Once it came down that you couldn't, it wasn't gonna be possible to do it in person in, in Grapevine, um, what needed to be done, you already had the virtual concept in place. Was it a matter of just going through with that uh, or or did you really have to, move more resources to add to flesh out that content to make it you know more valuable so we had we had already booked the, the virtual platform that we were using we had had conversations with our exhibitors um and, and found that you know a number of the, the exhibitors um 
were willing to try out the virtual format. I don't think it wasn't anybody's first choice, but you know, the, the willingness to, to participate and be a part of it um, was definitely, um, it was good to see everybody kind of rally together. And then, you know, based on the conversations, like I said, we had the steering committee and we were pulling a lot of uh, growers and other stakeholders. You know, we, we found that what people really wanted to hear about were, you know, issues related to food service, consumers, and then just the overall political landscape. Uh, we had also had a number of sessions um, that, you know, we'll call them, you know, breakout sessions. And those speakers were all willing to pivot to virtual too. I mean, a lot of them, I mean, this was so new, it seems like a year and a half ago seemed <laughs> so, so long ago, but it really was, it was new for everybody to um, get out there and record a virtual breakout session, virtual panel discussion, but everybody really rallied together and were open to try new things and get out of get out of all of our comfort zones to, to make it happen. Did you uh, just in general take anything away from that whole process of we'd like to keep this or, hey, this was actually, a, uh, this presented some, some new ideas in how to, to get people engaged. I mean, is there any like takeaways from the whole experience? You know, I, I look back and think the biggest takeaway is to just really, to to be flexible and be willing to look at things completely different. Like, you know, we had to, we had to throw away the old format of the expo to be able to have a vision for what a virtual show would look like. And so, and I think that that's just, you know, something good for us to look at every year, you know, what's working, what's new, but always trying to do new things and look at things from a different perspective to see how it can produce a better event in the end. Yeah, and of course, you know, the virtual aspect allows a lot of flexibility throughout the year for meetings and things. Like if someone can't actually attend a meeting, I, I mean, I know there were people at the recent Washington Summit that were just participating online. So without the whole pandemic, I don't know if we, we'd be in that spot, so. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, over, you know, the last two years, we've held our board meetings and, um, you know, our annual meeting of the voting delegates that we just had as part of the Washington Summit. We've held committee meetings. Yeah, we it, it definitely has opened some some new doors and that's an example um, of. Now, back to the expo planning, how far in advance do you get started on planning a big trade show and seminar like that? I mean, for example, you've had a location and date set for 2023, which is going to be in the Denver area in Aurora. Uh, for quite a while already. Um, are you already in the planning stages for like 2024 and 2025? So right now we are booked through 2026 and we we have locations and venues and hotels uh, set for those years. Uh, we really start to to work on a show about a year and a half in advance. So this fall we'll start working on mainly uh, the trade show area for the 2024 show. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you go about scouting these different locations? Do you have kind of a, a rotation of areas that you like, or are you always looking for something new? Yeah, we have certain areas that we know work well. Uh, we 
are trying to find some some new locations. When the expo first started, uh, we were just going to Orlando and Vegas, and I think that Orlando, you know, is great. It has lots of hotels and opportunities for you know places that can hold our meeting, but it's also far from far from the growers too. So we were you know decided to look at some other venues and not just go to, to two cities every year. So we've added in um, a few new ones. We added in Austin a couple years ago, and that was, um, that was great. We got lots of great feedback. People wanted to go back, so we're gonna be going back there uh, in 2024. Um, Vegas is always a big draw. People, um, we always get our highest attendance when we go to Vegas, so that's certainly in the mix. But we like to look at venues that really are a good size where when we get there, the potato industry takes over. We want to be the big fish, right? So, you know, in the coming up here in 2023 at the Gaylord Rockies, we'll basically be taking over the entire property. So everybody that you're going to see in that building at the restaurants there in the hallways in the marketplace all that they're all going to be related to the potato industry and i think that's where people get the biggest value um, in attending so we, we like to look at places where we can all be together you have any uh any bucket list uh locations that you haven't gone that you would like to maybe try someday That's a good question. There's a new property that's being built in Southern California outside of the San Diego area that we're looking at that should be open in a couple of years. And I think that's, that's one that we're very curious about at this point. Well, I hear Boise is really nice in early January. That would be a convenient yeah. trip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the whole city. Yeah, no kidding. It, it would be nothing, it wouldn't be any different than it normally is. So. Now, how do you go about deciding what topics and speakers that you're going to have at a given expo? Is that through a lot of polling and just talking with the members? Yeah, that's what we have a, a steering committee yep. that we uh, rely on a lot for input, to, you know, to be telling us what the current topics are that growers are talking about, that they're interested in, new um, issues that are coming up on the horizon. So they, you know, they're kind of our eyes and ears, you know, out in the production areas on what people will be interested in hearing about. And then we also uh, do a call for presentations. And those are typically the potato talks that are on our expo stage. So anyone within the industry can submit a potato talk. And then we have our steering committee review and rate and rank those uh, sessions that are submitted. And that's how, you know, we work to, um, the, the topics we get from the steering committee that shapes our breakout sessions and also general sessions. And then the call for proposals hmm. shapes the expo stage. Now go back to, you know, 14 years ago when you started doing this, are we still dealing with some of the same main topics? How, uh, how have you noticed things evolved over what, what the growers want to learn about? Um, 
Well, there is new, I mean, we definitely, you know, have a new technology is always, you know, on the list of topics. A lot of we, you know, have been focusing more over the last few years kind of on policy topics, um, tapping into, you know, our knowledge base here at the National Potato Council on those at transportation, supply chain, always seem to, to come up each year. Now, if you could go back to, you know, 2005 when you're getting this, exp or 2007 when you're getting this idea off the ground for Expo and give yourself some advice, what would it be? <laughs> um, maybe brace yourself. <laughs> the first few years were a little crazy. Uh, we, like I mentioned before, we thought 500 people were going to come to the show and all of a sudden it was 800, then 1,100 the next year, 1,300 the next. Like it just kept growing and growing. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, I felt like, you know, we were trying to catch up. We were constantly trying to find more space for all the additional exhibitors that wanted to come and the other, you know, sessions that we were having. But, you know, having the perspective now to look back and see what a valuable meeting the Potato Expo is for the industry and kind of knowing that I had a part in building that, you know, building something that fosters those connections and strengthens the industry is rewarding. It really is a great event. And, you know, it's, I know there's a lot of regional events, um, but that really is kind of the, the big cookie, you know, where you just see everybody and get to reacquaint with everybody. So it's an event I really enjoy. So and kind of my, my last question for you uh, before I let you go is, what are some of your favorite memories from the last 20 years uh, working with the NPC? Um, so I have, I have lots of great memories. I, um, I'm fortunate, like, you know, over the last 20 years to have developed a lot of friendships with the, the growers from, you know, a lot of them I first met when I was part of the Potato Industry Leadership Institute. I used to, to go on that that program. So having, having memories with the growers on going through those programs and things like being in North Dakota with negative 30 degree weather and scraping the sides of, you know, windows on the inside of the van, trying to figure out where the next turn is, you know, fun, fun memories like that, that we can, you know, a lot of times we'll share when we get back together and also going to the summer meetings and being able to get out to the growing areas and, and see everybody's farms and the different areas where everybody farms. And sometimes I get to bring my family out to the show. So we've had a lot of fun, fun with that and going to Washington state when Dan Lake was president in Montana, was we were able to take them out there and he set us up on Flathead Lake for a few days and then went, um, hiking up in Glacier. So a lot of, a lot of fun memories over the years. Oh, wow. That sounds really incredible. I'd love to uh, see that part of the country soon. So Dan, Dan will have to sign up for another tenure, right? So we'll yeah. have to get him to yeah. do it again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Holly, thank you so much for the time and more so thank you for all that you do with, for Potato Expo and just the, the industry in general. You're, I know I like to stay behind the scenes, but you are a real asset. So it's been great talking with you. And once again, congrats on the award. Great. Thank you, Zeke.